Hey there, welcome to Grace Church Online. It's so great to have you with us this morning. I want to say thank you to those of you that are watching in Durango, those of you that are watching in Bayfield and Ignacio. I know there's uh, a lot of people tuning in from the state of Ohio. We even have some people that have been tuning into our services from the land down under, all the way in Australia. And so I want to say thank you for watching. And uh, we have been uh, trusting that God is going to speak to you. And I believe that God is going to speak to you again this morning. So far in our crisis kit, we have realized a few things. We've learned a few things throughout this series. But we've learned and realized that there are no perfect families. Every family is a fixer-upper. We've also learned that our foundation has to be built on love. Any other foundation, if it's built on anything else, it will crumble. Um, we pulled the Unity uh, uh, artwork out of the crisis kit um, during this series, and we learned that you know a house divided, uh, a church divided, a, a community divided, or a country divided will not stand. Uh, we got to we got to be unified. We talked about legacy, and, and last week we talked about the reality that all of us are going to need to make a U-turn at some point in our life. Some of us might have to make multiple U-turns, but you know we serve a God who forgives. We serve a God who redeems. We serve such an amazing God. And so today is the final installment of the Family Crisis Kit. And without this in your kit, without what we're going to talk about in your kit, all the other things that we've talked about throughout this series are completely useless. They're completely meaningless if you don't have what we're going to be talking about today in your kit. But, you know, I can't just tell you. I can't just tell you what's in the kit. I have to show you what's in the kit. Are you kidding me? I know you're so excited for the final installment, the, the last piece of artwork that is in this kit. I know your heart is just racing fast. You're like, oh man, just, just show us, Justin. I know you're thinking that right now, but I'm going to just tell you something. First of all, I think I might have to change professions because there has been a high demand on my artwork. Um, there have been a lot of people that have said, gosh, Justin, if you could just mass produce your artwork, um, you know, amazing things would happen. So the demand on my artwork is skyrocketing. And so I just wanted you to know that um, before I show you this last piece here. But what you need that uh, um, what you need to, to make sure that uh, everything else that we talked about has purpose and has meaning is this, okay? Brace yourselves. Hold on. Here we go. Remember, without this, nothing else matters, okay? Here we go. What you need is this. Boom! Check out that piece right there. Woo! That took some time right there. No, I didn't make our children's pastor draw this for me. Are you kidding me? Man, isn't that amazing? Yes, Jesus. We're going to be talking about Jesus. And without Jesus, everything else that we've talked about really doesn't matter. It's really meaningless. Without Christ, everything else uh, falls by the wayside. You might be thinking to yourself, why Jesus? I know some of you watching right now, you may uh, um, have very limited church experience. Maybe you don't have any church background at all. Maybe you have different faith backgrounds. Maybe this is your first experience at church. Um, and you're sitting there watching in your living room, and you're like, man, I, I just don't know. What, what is the big deal 
about Jesus? Like, why Jesus? Why should we really follow Jesus? What's the big deal? Is Jesus really the only way to God? I don't know if I buy into that. Maybe you're thinking those thoughts. Maybe you've had those thoughts. Is Jesus really the only way? Let's talk about it this morning. Today what we're going to do is we're going to read from a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote thousands of years ago. And what's so amazing about this letter that Paul wrote is his words apply to us today. But he was writing a letter to the churches in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is basically modern-day Turkey today in the Middle East there. And so he was writing to these churches that were in Ephesus, and uh, he was saying some things about why Jesus is so important. Now, before we look at this letter from Paul, I want us to remember something. The scripture tells us that God created a perfect world. It was a world without brokenness. It was a world without pain. It was a world without death. But in Genesis chapter 3, we're told that Adam and Eve, the the very first human beings on this planet, the, the very first human beings that God created, Adam and Eve, they were deceived and they broke God's one rule. God said, don't eat from this one tree. But they both ate from that tree and they chose a path of rebellion. They sinned against a holy, righteous God. And because of that rebellion, at the very beginning of time, chaos and sin and death entered into our world. And that's where we pick up. That's what Paul is talking about um, as we begin reading this letter from Paul, that, that's what he's talking about is this, this, um, uh, this first sin, this, this sin, this rebellion, this trespass against an almighty God. We're going to pick up in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And then he goes, Following the course or the path of this world. The course of this world or the direction of our world. We all agree that our world is jacked up, right? Our world is messed up. No matter how many counselors we have, no matter how much money we spend, no matter how many presidents we elect, no matter how many books we write, no no matter how many organizations we start, no matter how many pills we take or how many tears we cry, No matter how many wars we win, suffering and injustice and evil and sickness and failures and boredom and miseries and death just seem to continue on in our world. People use each other. People abuse each other. When we look at the world around us, we realize that this is not the way that it's supposed to be. This isn't the way it's supposed to work. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. We try to fix the problem by being better human beings. Like, we try to do more good things. We try to be better people. We try to be better, but it seems like in our efforts of trying to be better, it seems like things continue to get worse. We spend lots of money. We hire more police officers. We come up with new and and better laws and new and better drugs. And and just the madness continues. 
So let me ask a question. Why is the world so bad? Like, why does chaos seem to continue on if everyone wants it to be better? Why is that? Let's keep reading what the Apostle Paul has to say. He says, you know, we're, we were dead in our trespasses and sins in which, in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So Paul says, you, he's speaking to you and I. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Now this is giving reference to a spiritual death. We are spiritually dead in your trespasses, in your sins. I mean, I just pinched myself. I know I'm alive physically, but spiritually, okay? That's what Paul is talking about. Spiritually, you were dead in your trespasses, in your sins, Now, the reason that we were dead spiritually is because of our trespasses, because of our sins. Now, a trespass is exactly that. God drew a line and he said, don't cross this line. He he had a fence, you could say, and he said, don't cross that fence. And we, what did we do? We crossed the fence. We crossed the line. We trespassed against God. We crossed the line. We're dead spiritually because we broke God's laws, because we are sinners. Now, sin is not just the things that we do. I think a lot of times when people think of sin, they think of, oh, sin is just the bad things that I do. And a lot of people think of sin like this, you know. Um, they think, man, I don't cuss, I don't chew, I don't drink. Um, you know, I don't, I don't drink and cuss and chew, and I don't run around with women who do, you know? So um, that's what they think of sin. It's just those wrong things that we do. And we, we tend to think this way. If, if we don't do those wrong things, then I'm a good person. If I don't drink, if I don't cuss, if I don't, um, you know, uh, do those wrong things, then I'm a good person. Sin is not just what we do. Sin is actually what we are. We are sinners by nature. We are broken. We are flawed as a human race. We were born into sin, is what Paul is saying. Spiritually dead in our trespasses and in our sins. Now you need to know this. This is so important. This is so important for us as Christians who have already made the decision to follow Jesus. This is so important for those of you that may be watching for the very first time. Maybe this is your very first church experience. This is important to know. But when it comes to following Jesus Christ, when it comes to our faith, the goal is not to stop sinning. You know, unfortunately, a lot of churches make that the goal. The goal for a lot of churches is we're trying to make everyone stop doing wrong things. We're trying to make everyone stop sinning. But that is not the goal. The goal is to be made alive spiritually. That's the goal. Because we are dead in our trespasses and our sins. 
The reality is, is a dead man cannot stop anything, let alone stop sinning. So once again, the goal is not to stop sinning. The goal is to be made alive spiritually. But the reality is, we have enemies that are waging war against us. We have enemies who are trying to keep us dead spiritually. Paul tells us about three of those enemies in those verses that we just read. He, he talks about three different enemies. He talks about the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let's, let's talk briefly about these enemies. First of all, Paul talked about the devil. Now, Paul referred to him as the prince of the power of the air or the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. Couple things maybe you'd like to know, maybe you wouldn't like to know, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Couple things about Satan. Satan was an angel made by God, and he, like us, he rebelled against God. He was unwilling to serve, he was unwilling to follow God. He got lifted up in pride. He got to this point where he thought he was better than God, and God kicked him out of heaven. And Satan took a third of the angels with him, and they're called demons. So we have a spiritual enemy, the devil, that hates God. And the Bible says the goal of Satan, what his, his, uh, his end goal is to steal, to kill, and to, to, to destroy. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I've wondered, like, man, how could someone, let's say like Hitler, for example, I mean, how could someone commit such horrible crimes against humanity? How could someone do such horrible things? The reality is, is because there is a spiritual being that's influencing them to do those things. That's why Paul referred to him as the spirit working in the sons of disobedience. So Satan is an enemy that is trying to keep you and I dead spiritually. Paul also talked about the flesh being our enemy. We are born into sin. I never had, I have four boys. I never had to sit them down and say, hey boys, this is how you tell a lie, okay? They just naturally were able to tell a lie on their own. Sometimes they were pretty good at it, all right? I never had to sit them down and say, hey, this is how you steal something. Or this is how you, um, you know, have anger that's out of control. I never had to give those lessons. It just came naturally. And from Adam forward, Adam, the very first human being, from Adam all the way till present day, we are all born sinners. And because of that, we are prone or we are bent towards the direction of rebellion. We are bent to do evil. We're, we're bent in the direction of sinning against God. You see, our flesh loves the wrong things. That's the problem. The reality is, is some of us are going to sin so much that it kills us. Our flesh loves to do the wrong things. Our flesh loves sin. And so Paul called it out as an enemy. Sometimes we have to war against the flesh. You know, sometimes the greatest enemy that I look at is when I look in the mirror in the morning. It's my flesh. Sometimes the hardest person to lead is yourself. Sometimes the hardest person to influence or to get to do the right thing is yourself. 
Sometimes my greatest enemy is walking around in my own skin. The battle is against our flesh. And then the third enemy that Paul talks about is the world. Now the world does not love God. And once again, we we live in a world that has a broken system. We live in a world where the wicked prosper and the righteous, they, they seem to suffer. Many of us, we, we struggle with this. I've struggled with this. You know, some of, some of you, you work really hard on your job and you, you don't steal, you don't lie, you, you don't cheat. But yet the ones who do are the ones who get the promotion. You know, like, what? it doesn't make sense. Why does that happen? Because we're in a world that's broken. Why is it that people who are lazy or don't work or, you know, they're the ones that sometimes they get the benefits or they get the free money, yet people who are working hard, they get penalized, they get taxed. Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that's, that's broken. The systems of this world do not promote godliness. They do not promote holiness. You know, many of us, we, we recognize this reality and many of us, We made that decision on a personal basis to put our faith in Jesus. But I think many of us, we thought, man, if I put my faith in Jesus, then it's going to make my life easy. But we soon realized that living for Jesus was actually the hardest thing that we've ever done. Living for God, you know, staying committed to my wife and only my wife for a lifetime. Speaking the truth, even when it costs me greatly. Working with integrity, even though it means I don't get the job promotion. I mean, we soon realize that living for God and His kingdom is really tough. It's not easy. So the devil is against us. Our flesh is against us. The the world that we live in is against us. I mean, aren't you so blessed this morning? Aren't you so glad that you tuned in? You're like, man, I am so glad I'm watching this message. I am so encouraged. Oh, man, aren't you so blessed? Hey, there's more to the sermon, all right? Hold tight, hold tight. The scripture says that we are sinners, that we are sinners by our very nature. Paul says Because of that reality, we are subject to God's wrath. So God's wrath is poured out on sin. And because we are sinners, it means that his wrath is upon us. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to understand this. I have to confess, it's sometimes hard to to wrap my mind around this as well. But you got to understand that God is a holy, perfect, righteous God. And so when there is injustice, when there is wrongdoing, when, when his laws are broken, when people are abused, it, it enrages him. And his wrath is poured out upon injustice. And because we are sinners, his wrath is upon us. Hebrews 10.31 says, It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You don't want to mess with a holy, righteous, almighty God. So, because we are sinners, we are under the wrath of God. And the payment or the penalty for our sin is death. And some of us don't like that. 
Some of us struggle with that. I mean, we're, we're fine with God's wrath being poured out on the devil. I mean, he deserves it. He's, he's causing all kinds of chaos and destruction. He deserves it. We're fine with God being angry at the wickedness that's happening in our world. I mean, that doesn't bother us at all. We understand that. I mean, we're, we're upset when we see the injustice going on in our world. But we have a problem when verse 3 says that we are by nature children of wrath. I mean, we want to think Satan's bad and the world's bad, but I'm good. And the Bible says, no, you're actually not good. We are by nature, from birth, we are objects of wrath. We are born with a sin nature. We are born enemies of God. And God's wrath is justified towards sin. He has every right to be um, angry at sin. And we are sinners. And so Paul says, you're under the wrath of God. You know, if Paul would have stopped at verse 3, I mean, there would have been no hope. I mean, it would have been super miserable, to be honest with you. We would feel defeated. We'd feel hopeless. But verse 4 begins with the greatest two words, in my opinion, in all of Scripture. But God. Look at verse 4, Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Wow, that's amazing. Love, kindness, grace, mercy, All of those are wrapped up in Jesus Christ. In Jesus, you see both justice and love. God brought justice, and he also brought love. You see, God came as a human being. The scripture says that God came in the form of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was tempted, just like you and I are tempted. But he never sinned. And we all know that the price for sin is death. But the question is, why did Jesus have to die if he didn't sin? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, this is the Apostle Paul again. He's writing to some churches in the city of Corinth. But he says this, he answers that question, why did Jesus have to die if he didn't sin? And the Apostle Paul says this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake... He died for you. He died for me. For our sake, he made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's the answer. Jesus didn't die for his sin. He died for our sin. He died for my sin. Now remember, sin is under the judgment. Sin is under the wrath of God. And so Paul said Jesus actually became sin so that he could take the punishment, he could take the wrath of God that was actually meant for you and I. It's incredible. He took our punishment. He took the full wrath of God on himself. And ultimately, he died for my sin. He died for your sin. God's wrath 
was fully satisfied in Jesus Christ. It's incredible. When Jesus cried out on the cross, he was hanging on the cross, dying just an awful, brutal death. But he cried out. He said, it is finished. And it was. Listen, I didn't and I cannot save myself. It was the work of Jesus Christ on the cross that saved me. And because of Jesus, God's wrath will not be poured out on me. Because of Jesus Christ. You know, the best way I can explain it is when when God looks down on Justin Ross. Because Justin Ross, at the age of 13, at a youth camp, made the decision to give his life to Jesus Christ. Jesus, through the power of his spirit, came inside of Justin Ross. So when God looks at Justin Ross, he doesn't see Justin. He doesn't see my brokenness. He sees Christ in me. And that's how I can stand before a holy, righteous God. And I can be perfect in the presence of God. Not because of Justin, but because of Christ in Justin. It's incredible. You know, if God was to look at Justin without Christ, man, all he would see is sin. All he would see is brokenness. Not only did Jesus die, but he came back to life. You see, this is incredible. You need to know this. Death cannot hold where there is no sin. And so, because Jesus was sinless, because he was perfect, that's why death couldn't hold him down. He came back to life and he conquered the enemies that we talked about earlier. He conquered and he defeated death. He defeated the world. He defeated flesh. He defeated devil and and hell. Jesus conquered all of it. And the scripture tells us that when he rose again, he rose again never to die again. You see, some people had been risen from death before, but they eventually died again. But Jesus was the first one to rise again, never to die again. Verse 8 goes on to say, and I, I have to say this, I, I would encourage you, if you are a young Christian, you're a new Christian, shoot, if you're an old Christian, okay, this would be a great couple verses to memorize. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You have been saved by grace. You cannot earn your way into heaven. It's it's not about trying to be a good enough person. It's not about trying not to sin. Let Let me ask you a question to help, maybe to help clarify this. How good do you have to be to get into heaven? How good do you have to be? The scriptures tell us that you have to be perfect, and none of us are. You have to be as perfect as God, but you're not good enough. I'm just telling you, you're not good enough. God only sees perfection and imperfection, and apart from Christ, we are imperfect. Therefore, we are not allowed to be called children of God apart from Christ. Now, Jesus, he's perfect. He took our sin upon himself and he gives us his righteousness. And that's grace. That's undeserved. I didn't do anything to deserve it. It's unmerited favor. 
I am in Christ. Christ is in me. And that's, once again, why I can stand before God in perfection because of Christ in me. And that happened through faith. Now, you need to understand that faith is actually living out what God says. Faith is following God. It's different than simply believing. A lot of people say, man, just believe in Jesus. But the scripture says that Satan and his demons, they believe in God. But they're not going to be in heaven. So it's different than just believing. It's actually walking it out. It's faith. It's following God. It's putting that belief into action. And Paul says that it's a gift from God. It's not only... I'm sorry, it's not by being a good person. It's not by what you and I do. We are not saved because God was impressed with us. We're not saved because we've somehow figured it out. It is a gift. We didn't do anything to earn that gift. Our flesh, gosh, our flesh is so wicked. If we did something to earn our salvation, we would all be bragging about it. I'd be like, ha ha, I'm so much better than you. You know, I mean, that's what our flesh would do. But since we can't do anything to save ourselves, there's no boasting, there's no bragging, there's no self-righteousness involved. So we understand that we, we, we cannot save ourselves. So what do we get to do? Like if we can't rescue ourselves, our rescuing only comes from God and God alone. What do we get to do? And the answer is, is we get to respond. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And after that salvation experience, we now get to respond. We are made alive spiritually. We were dead, but now we're alive and we get to worship God with our lives. We're now alive spiritually and we get to live our lives to the fullest. Verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, once you belong to God, you can't help but do good works. All of a sudden, your heart has been changed and your desires have been changed and you want to love God and you want to love people. You want to do the right things. All of a sudden, your life is full of purpose and you realize that you don't have to earn God's affection. All of this you know, kind of religious duty, all that pressure is off your shoulders and you get to live your life for God. It's a completely different perspective. That's freedom. That's what being made spiritually alive is all about. That's what it means to be alive spiritually. You know, all, all the other religions, they're, they're doing their good works, they're doing good things, but it's out of duty or it's out of fear. They're trying to earn God's favor. But as Christians, our motivating factor for doing good works is love. Love is the greatest motivating factor. We don't have to earn God's love. We serve God out of love. We serve God because we're so appreciative of what Christ did for us on the cross. We love him and that's why we serve him. That's the God we serve. He has created us to do good works by grace. Listen, it's grace that saves us and it's grace that gives us the strength to live this new life in Jesus. And it's not by our own strength, it's not by our own power, but by the power of God. 
And now your life has meaning. Your life has hope and purpose. And it's all because of Jesus. It's all because of Jesus. Listen, God has things for you to do. He has great plans for your life. Your whole life now belongs to Jesus and everything you do can be an act of worship. It's not just churchy things. It's everyday life things. Getting up for work can be an act of worship. Changing a diaper, washing the dishes, loving your wife, going fishing with your son can be an act of worship. It's all good works and it's all worship when you are in Christ. Everything you do can be done to the glory of God. That means wherever you are, whatever you're doing, at any time of the day, you can be living to the glory of God. That's grace. It's undeserved. Listen, only Jesus can make us alive. Without Jesus, all the other tools that we've talked about throughout this series, all the other tools are, are really worthless. They're not going to work. Listen, I know right now, God, through his spirit, and he's speaking to some of you, he's drawing some of you to himself. He's going to save, he's going to rescue some of you this morning. He wants to be your father. And listen, you can respond by following Jesus. I'm inviting you on this incredible adventure to follow Jesus Christ. You can respond in worship. You, You know what's cool is you get to the point where Everything in your life, even your very life, is made available for God's kingdom. Your time, your energy, your creativity, your finances. I mean, listen, when you give an offering, it's an act of worship. When we sing, you get to respond and worship. You get to use the breath that has been given to you by God. You get to use that breath to worship God. And to sing praises to the Almighty God. It's incredible. Everything can be done to the glory of God. Listen, this could be the most important moment in your life right now. I want to encourage you right now, wherever you're watching, wherever you're at in this moment, to make the decision to follow Jesus Christ. I'm inviting you to follow Jesus Christ.